Light snow and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Alberta's premier is facing the heat from some within his own party. Global News has secured a copy of an unsigned letter from United Conservative Party members calling for Jason Kenney's resignation, citing current COVID-19 restrictions and low polling numbers, among other things. Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley says Kenny is too distracted to be the leader in the province needs. I absolutely believe that uh, self-interested internal politics are taking precedence over uh, the best interests of Albertans and Alberta families. In response to this matter, United Conservative Party President Ryan Becker says this letter does not and will not supersede the rules and regulations governing the party. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. Low fog and snow leads to reduced visibility and wet roads this morning, so drive with extra caution. I am seeing light volume all across the city right now, though, which is pretty normal for a Sunday. If you're doing some highway travel west or south of the city, expect winter driving conditions on the Trans-Canada Highway and Highway 2. Overall, though, we are running problem-free right now. It's the final days to save three times the GSC on all furniture, mattresses, and select appliance packages at Leon's. And Sunday, shop online at leons.ca today. For the 770 HQR traffic helicopter, I'm Terry Eusen. Wearing a mask when you go to the grocery store has become normal for most of us, but there are some people out there who can't do it for medical or other reasons. Calgary senior Brenda Willie says she can't because of childhood trauma, which causes her to experience extreme anxiety when she puts on a mask. She carries a note from her doctor, but with more stores making mask wearing a condition of entry, it usually falls on deaf ears. Manager of Calgary's community natural foods, Adam Martin, says there's a lot of uncertainty over COVID-19. There's asymptomatic people in the population. There's just a lot of question marks, I think. So we were really hearing from staff. There is a safety concern here I'm not sure about. Staff safety, customer safety, that has to be number one. Willie says she wants to see exemption cards for those with medical conditions, but so far the province and the city say they have no plans to issue mask exemption cards. Canada's chief public health officer has released a statement saying the latest national data shows an ongoing rise in severe illness from COVID-19. Dr. Teresa Tam says that is continuing to strain the healthcare system. She says average weekly rates of admission to hospitals, including intensive care units, continue to climb. According to TAM's numbers, an average of 4,167 COVID-19 patients were being treated in Canadian hospitals each day during the weeks of April 16th to 22nd. That marked a 22% increase over the week before. Roger Ward, The Canadian Press. And police in Edmonton say three people faced charges after investigators uncovered what they alleged to be a clandestine drug lab at an industrial shop on the city's south side. Police say they seized close to $1 million worth of illegal drugs, drug production equipment, cash and a stolen vehicle during searches at various locations associated with the investigation last month. They say they also seized an RCMP uniform and a police radio. 41-year-old Lee Gilbert Squires, 33-year-old Alyssa Mary Lawyer Casavant, and 36-year-old Jared Jacob Fedun face numerous drug and firearm-related charges. Global News Sky Tracker weather, a high of 3 today with periods of snow, dropping to a low of minus 4 tonight with a 30% chance of flurries overnight. Warming up tomorrow, mainly sunny conditions expected with a high of 12. It's minus 1 at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis.
Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it is a snowy morning out here. It's April the 25th. So around this time last year, I remember I did a little video on fertilizing your lawn. And uh, so if you did get to that, it would have been good to have it in, but you still have lots of time. It's still early to get out and do too, too much gardening. What you can do at this time of year, what you want to do is you can cut down your grasses, your carl foresters, and on some of the perennials, I would still maybe wait a little bit. You can start cutting them sort of last week in April, beginning of May when it warms up here. You just don't want to get caught um, exposing everything too much, all that tender growth. And and a couple of the nights that we're going to have are sort of that minus six, minus seven, and it can just damage some of the foliage. So what you want to do is just let Mother Nature continue to do its job here a little bit and uh, and keep it protected over the winter. I'm looking out at my curls. They're just starting to get pounded down a little bit from the snow over the winter, but they're just still standing nice and golden, and they give you that nice winter feature. So we'll be cutting those down next week, um, going through, removing some of the, the daylilies and some of the foliage from top on some of the perennials. Um, one thing you want to do is amend your soil. I always like to turn it over first a bit, make it lumpy, and then I add in either the sea soil or some compost or three-in-one or our, or our greened-up soil and hatch just to give it some nutrients. Also, mixing in some granular food at that time is a good practice to do. You want to get your, your soil fed because that's where all the growth begins. So those are some of the things that you can do right now. You also want to look up at your trees and shrubs and sort of assess them for the three Ds. You're looking for dead, damage, or disease. And right now is a little easier time to notice. You'll look at your bark on your tree and you'll see a nice healthy looking. And I, I relate it to the skin. Um, sometimes you can, someone just looks at you and say, oh, you look deathly ill. And it's similar with your tree. Like the, the bark will tell you a lot of what's going on with the tree. And if you see it all scabby and peeling off or, or just totally different color than the healthy part of the tree, typically there's something going on. And if you don't feel comfortable at that point, um, that's when it's a good time to, to get an arborist to shout and uh, have them have a look at it. I know Mark's out looking. Right now you want to look for a black knot, any of the, like I said, dead, damage, or disease branching that's, that's just going to cause you growth. And it's going to take away a lot of your energy from your trees and shrubs. If they're trying to refoliate that old wood and dead wood rather than going to good new wood, it, it's kind of just wasting all that energy. Another good thing to do here is when it warms up, uh, this next week looks pretty good, just start doing some just slow, deep watering around your trees and shrubs, ensuring that the water gets down nice and deep because this is when they're going to foliate. So they're going to need that extra moisture um, in the ground. So when they start building all those leaves and all that, they have the moisture to do that. Because I've seen it before in some of those real dry springs, like the big poplars or some of the real big birch. They just won't leaf out all the way to the top. And that's just their defense mechanisms kicking in and just saying, I don't have enough um, moisture in there to send all the way up and produce leaves to the top. So it'll just stop. It, it, it knows that it doesn't have enough. So right now you want to ensure that your trees and shrubs are getting good water and also a fertilizer either through like our pruned up 
Mark is starting that in the next couple of weeks where we're going around doing the deep root injections injections into the into the root system for fertilizer um if you want to do it yourself if you have evergreens after a good watering 30 10 10 for your evergreens and for your fruit and flowering you want to do like a 15 30 15 and if you just have like regular deciduous trees like birch birch you want to use rage plus um it loves that and uh and just performs very well but if you have like regular um just like laurel leaf willows things like that a 20 20 20 is great for those trees good well balanced fertilizer will give you lots and lots of uh, foliage and and when you fertilize your plants you will see a huge difference in the results of what they're going to perform for you they're going to uh do that uh, Kevin must have been chatting about climate change. I still have a couple climate change uh, texts. And I got a quick little text here. Morning, Merle. Any suggestions on how to be proactive in trying to keep wasp away? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, wasps come into certain areas. Those uh, The wasp bags work really quite well. And what they're they're attracted to certain um, plants and certain trees. Like to, if you have a bunch of Swedish columnar aspens, in the heat of the summer, when those start to sweat out the sugars out of their leaves, you'll get a lot of uh, of wasps tend to go to those leaves. So um, it, it is it is a tough one. Like there's a few different things that you can do. I know my wife had bought this little spinny thing that spins around on our table. It seems to work, but um, I, I'm not percent if that's the reason or if it's just uh, it just happened to be be working at this time. And here I get another text. Morning. I've been doing some research on both canna and calla lilies. I'm confused due to opposing opinions when to fertilize. How often? Just read this morning that you shouldn't fertilize once they're in bloom. Help. Um, no, for the canna lily, it continues to bloom all summer long. So once your canna lilies, and they're a heavy feeder, they have lots of foliage. So I fertilize them once a week when they're outside in my pots, and that gets them nice and big. And But you got to make sure you deadhead. Like when the blooms start to go, cut them off right away. And that's with most of your plants when they're flowering. To encourage more flowering, you got to do the deadheading because then that tricks the plant into saying, I haven't done my job. I haven't produced seeds. I'm not going to be able to reproduce. And that's why they're producing flowers, not just to look beautiful for us. They're doing it because they think they need to reproduce. So you got to trick them into that. Um, they definitely like the fertilizer, 15, 30, 15, high middle number. Um, even a 20, 20, 20 is great for those two. There's enough phosphate in both um, that would, would work great. If you just want one good all-purpose fertilizer, the 20, 20, 20 is a great one. It's it's a great all-purpose um, fertilizer to use for most of your plants. And I think I have Jen on the line. And uh, Charlie, is Jen there? We'll bring her up. Morning, Jen. Hi, Merle. <laughs> hey, how are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. You know, awesome. like just watching the snow fall nicely. We're getting a nice little dusting. It'll be good for the moisture in the ground. Get a little bit. Now that the ground's thawed, it's going to help out a little bit. Absolutely. And yeah. yourself, I know you've been busy like crazy. You guys have been getting annuals and all kinds of different plants in. So what's yeah. what's going on down there right now? 
Uh, well, what isn't going on, Merle? <laughs> people are, people are shopping you. right off the carts, too. They want uh, specific things, and we've been receiving cart after cart. So he's keeping us well-stocked. Um, lots of tomatoes. You know, we've got lots of veg right now, peppers, um, and all kinds of annuals, like you're saying, tons of petunias, calabacoa. We've got shade annuals, sun annuals. Um, the vermilionaire, I think we talked about last week. Yeah, and that's so, the that's the hunting hummingbird plant. It uh, a, it'll. Yeah. Do you want to like? I live in in Cranston down in Riverstone, and I had so many hummingbirds last year. It was awesome. Like when that plant comes out, and once it gets, it was later in the summer, like sort of into July, August, when when it's nice and warm. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised, like just sitting there in the deck watching it, and then how many hummingbirds. Co- come to just that plant like it's kind of yeah like, it's shocking isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. so and you also have some of the rarer tomatoes i know you had the rapunzel which is a lot of people that's sort of hot and heavy on the old facebook i hear so well oh is it i haven't actually even had a moment to look yeah, at I've that, had a few people it, yeah I had a few yeah. people ask me about it on on sort of the messenger and uh so really you, oh. yeah you, and they're looking for the seed is harder to get, I guess, but you, you have the plants in. We do have the plants in, although, I don't know, maybe I'll have to go downstairs and buy one myself now. The Rapunzel, I've been <laughs> eyeballing that one. Um, I don't know if Chris grabbed one or not, um, but, yeah, the Rapunzel is one of them. Uh, the Black Prince I was actually looking at as well. Is that is that a more unusual one? I well, yeah, it is a little that. bit, yeah. Those are some of the unique varieties. Um, I'm a... Uh, I like the one that I think it's called Sugar Daddy or Sugar Baby or something, the, the yellow right. sweet one. Yep. Um, it, it's sort of like the size of a cherry, but just it's awesome. I love that one. I just sit there on the deck, and I love having them in the morning after a cool night because that's when the sugar comes out in your tomatoes, and they're, they just taste that much better, I find, oh, first really? thing in the mornings. Yeah. Well, um, End of the since- day, you don't want to eat them because they're kind of warm and, huh? Yeah. So you <laughs> It's like leaving something out on your counter all day. Warm and, oh, that's okay. Um, yeah. That's a good one. A, I like that. Nice and cool, crisp in the morning. And, okay. Uh, yeah, it's so good there to you know, go. Merle. Um, I did have a customer asking me. She was in here two days ago. I can't recall her name. But she was mentioning to me that you also talk about your favorite tomatoes. And I couldn't remember which... I don't know. Have you mentioned that before on the show? What are yeah, your favorite Yeah, that's the ones? one that is the, the, sugar. The, the sugar daddy, I think, or sugar baby. It's a yellow um, okay. grape size. That's sort of the one I, I really like. It It performs really well in our climate. Roma tomatoes, I tend to stay away from the bigger ones a bit. I guess I'm too impatient, and I like just eating them <laughs> off the off the vine, so I'm not a big grab a, a big beefsteak and, and munching on that. Um <laughs> <laughs> like an apple. I'm, I'm more of just like grab a half. Oh, yeah. No, why wouldn't you? Right? Yeah. When you, when you are growing it yourself, it just tastes so much better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So that's one of the ones that she was maybe listening to. So that's cool. Yeah. And the Rapunzel yeah. is a is a cherry tomato as well, but it just drapes over sort of like Rapunzel in the in the fairy tale like that looks like her hair. Isn't that she's the one that flows her hair over the belt? That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, totally so that's right. what this does. Yeah, the, so the the tomatoes grow and it kind of looks like her hair. They sort of tumble over the over the pot and uh, and tumble down in a big grouping like that. So I was going to say, yeah, they're quite clustered, aren't they? Yeah, and you could have some fun with that in the summertime. You could go 
Oh, Romeo, Romeo, sort of thing. Oh, and, you know, fling your hair, fling your tomatoes over here. I don't know. I don't, so, you got to have some fun. If we're going to be locked up, we might as well try and have some fun out there with our tomatoes. You can't talk to people, so you might as well name your, all your you name all your plants, and you can get out. Yeah. Hey, I'm just going out to. There's uh, there's That's Bobby and Charlie and yeah. Joe. I like it. I like it. That's good, Merle. Tommy the tomato, you know, Tommy all those the fun tomato. things. Yeah, they, and plus they love being talked to because that you're, you're kind of spewing carbon monoxide all over them, <laughs> and uh, and then and then they like that, and then you, like that. and then and then they're going to spit out oxygen back out to the earth. So it's a loving relationship, just like many of the plants we have in here, right? That's <laughs> just like all of us that spruce it up. That's just like us, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, and so. It's still too early to plant, though. Like, what, what, what could you put outside right now, Jen? Well, from what I'm understanding, because I haven't done anything myself yet, is some of the beans, like some of the cooler weather crops, right? So beans, yeah. peas, is that right? Um, yeah. I was trying Spinach. to think of, yeah. Um, said, pansies, petunias, snapdragons, most of those you can plant almost now. Yeah. Oh, outside for an actual plant and not seed. Is that what you mean? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Or both. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, apparently people are working on it. Some people, it's funny when that is some things I've seen too, is some people are like, absolutely not. Some people are saying, no, I've done it and it's fine. So I think it really depends on your area and your circumstance as well, right? And how you're going to be taking care of things. Yeah, and you have to watch. Like some of, and definitely, it's another month and a half before you're putting begonias and patients, um, any of your cucumbers or any of the melons, things like that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you got to wait the first week in June. You don't dare try to to get them out any earlier. It just, no. it's it's still too early. And we just had a text on the line here just asking, Carmen's wondering, what was the name of the one for the hummingbirds again? Oh, the Vermillionaire. And it's actually called that right on the tag, too. And the team here in the greenhouse, they know all about it as well. So it's called the Vermillionaire. Yeah, and we had a whole whack of those grown, especially for us. Um, so um, do if you do see them, but I would grab them because they do, they do go fairly quick. They and do. they get about 18 inches high. They look like they could be part of the fuchsia family. That's I would, right. I, I would yeah. think. Yeah. I'm just looking at the structure. So yeah, they call it the cigar plant, I think, too, because they look like the flowers look like tiny little cigars. Ah, yeah, nice, nice. yeah, yeah. I guess so in Cuba, in Cuba, you probably have hummingbirds down on the beach. <laughs> have a cigar. Oh, all right, good uh, see, all kinds of good things can happen when you're with a plant. Absolutely. See? True. It's true. We have when, and we have other plants too. We don't just have uh, the vermilionaire and the tomatoes. Um, we also got we've got all you know another really cool plant merle that we have in that's not for outside is that dragon's tail. Did you see that when you were when you were here? No. Dragon's tail. It's a beautiful. I think it's related. It's a philodendron, so kind of more okay. Um, philodendron family, but they're really large, thicker leaves. We we had them in hanging baskets, and I saw that we're down to one left. So that's okay. a really cool new tropical plant. It's really, really pretty. We have tons of new bonsais in. I know people are always looking for bonsais, and we've got lots of different sizes of those. And we have tiny little plants. We've got um, the smaller ZZs in stock again, so people have been looking at those. We've got two-inch aloe veras. Um, and then Jess, said to mention the sugar vine that's in stock people have been liking that she said it's a very underrated plant um and it's easy to care for and it, it never stops growing so well if it's recommended by jess recommended by jess we know it's a good one so yeah there we go 10 out of 10. all right well, 
right. <laughs> All right. Is the is the Triple J in there today? Is Joan in today as well? No, we worked him hard yesterday, so he's no, taking the day double, off today. No, just double J today? <laughs> yeah, okay. double J today. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, enjoy. We'll see you guys and have a great day, and we'll probably see you later. I got to take off for a break here. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's full-service year-round garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I'm going to go to the phone lines. I'm going to chat with Darlene. Good morning, Darlene. Hi, Darlene. We have a beautiful corner lot, thanks to Prune okay. It Up. And your nice. landscaping crew has done a really nice job, and I've already fertilized, and my lawn is getting green. But I have an issue to, uh, to ask you about. Okay. Um, Tellus has come in and are doing fiber optics and have dug four very large holes in our lawn and told me they would hydro-seed it. Um, however, when I watched them, they did not do that. They just put the dirt on a scattered seed on top. So when I asked, uh, they said, well, we're going to wait till this grows, and then we will come in and hydro-seed over top of that. So I'm asking, does <laughs> yeah. that make sense, and what is your opinion on that? Like, how big, like, what's the diameter of the hole now that they're done? Like, Oh, well, they very, I guess the largest one would be maybe a three feet by two feet. Like for for that little bit, I would just replace sod. Like I know Atco when they go around, they typically always do sod, right. and it's just so much nicer. You just cut it out, and a roll of sod is two feet by ten feet, and they cost five bucks or something. Great. So we'll for, for the most and of then, it, um, yeah, I would just probably just do it yourself. Well, I can get somebody to help me. Just lay it over top of that and tap it in. Yeah, just cut out the the right amount so it's nice and square, and uh, just just prep the soil a bit, pack it down nicely. And then put your sod in, and then once it, it within two weeks, you won't even know it really happened, right? Okay. So. Well, that's good news because because of our situation, um, we're going to have to downsize. And I've been giving away stuff and throwing out stuff, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my goodness, now I've got this messy lawn when we put our house on the market. So, um, Merle, do you have sod? Yeah, we will have. They're just starting to cut right now. They're cutting it. It's still pretty brown. So we do. We're getting a. We're getting a couple pellets in Monday. So when you are getting it, don't expect it to be like lush green because it's it's all growing locally. So it'll be similar to what you're seeing in most people's lawn. So it's still brown. I would wait a couple more weeks. Okay. And if you if you could, to get that in there, and uh, but we are cutting sod on Monday. So if you want to do it and let's let it green up with the rest of the grass. That would be fine as well. It's supposed to be a nice week, so it'd right, be fine. Yeah. Just, just sometimes people, when they get sawed at this time of year, expect it to be really green, and it's going to be brown. It's dormant. It's normal grass, like grown here for our climate. So right. as long as everybody's aware of that, it's totally fine. Okay, so I, I, then I would just, like, put the fertilizer on that like I have the rest of the lawn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's good because I want this to be nice when I get rid of all this stuff to – make the house look nice because absolutely you, you want to spruce funny. it up so it can sell <laughs> right exactly so one awesome. other question Merle um in my green it up my first hey, I put on Darlene, my actually I just gotta put you on hold I just gotta take a break here for the news sorry I'm just up against no the clock no problem 
Okay, well, this is going to put you on hold. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening okay. to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Any other callers, Charlie? Hi, right, Charlie. Any other callers? Calgary, good morning from Global News. It's 9.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. The province is reporting 1,592 new cases of COVID-19 in Alberta over the last 24 hours. 584 people are now in hospital, including 129 in the ICU. Sadly, five more people have died. Calgary City Council will debate a plan tomorrow involving $200 million to convert vacant offices into residential apartments. Councillors say it's vital they attract investment from the private sector if they hope to see the plan become reality. And this weekend's three-day virtual conference and annual general meeting will come to an end today between the Alberta Schools Council Association and parents. A primary concern for parents is a reduced engagement with schools as a result of the pandemic. Periods of snow today with a high of plus three, dropping to a low of minus four tonight with a 30% chance of flurries and tomorrow mainly sunny with a high of 12. It's minus one, breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go back and we're just going to finish up with Darlene. Hi, Darlene. You had uh, one more question there. Clean Hi, it up Darlene. on. So the yeah. first application I did number five. So the next two, should I do like about a number four and number two? Um, yes, but typically what I do, Darlene, is I just measure out like, because on the first application, you, you it covers one bag will cover 3,000 square feet. Right, so typically, right. I try to measure out how much fertilizer I need for my area. And I put the settings always lower. I always put them at like three or four. And then I go one way and then I'll go the other way. Yeah, until, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go over it three or four times. But I use that amount in that area rather than trying to get the setting perfect. Because okay. I find if you get it too high, it comes out quicker, and then sometimes you're uh, by the time you get to the end of it, either you've run out or you're you're going too fast. Or so I just always set it lower, and I just do crisscrossing. I just find you get a lot more good okay. even even now, fertilization I do that way. I only do it like once, not three or four times. So I'll yeah, I, I put mine on lower, but that's all I do. I like to go over it a few times and just to make sure I get good coverage. So yeah, okay. Well, I'll try, I'm very much a senior, but I'll try and get out there and measure. Let's. Well, yeah, just take her easy. Go a nice little walk around the backyard, back and forth a few times. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, and thanks for all you do for us, Merle. It's really appreciated over the no, years. I, 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 I totally enjoy it. I look forward to Sunday morning. So, thank you for all okay. for listening as well. Thanks, Darlene. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Bye-bye. I'm going to go to Laura. Good morning, Laura. I'm thinking of uh, building a raised bed. Uh, for okay. vegetables, and I'm wondering how deep is the optimum depth, uh, what type of soil, and how do you keep the pretty little deer away from it? <laughs> so a few things. The first thing is with the deer, 
there's a product called Bob X, okay. and it works really well. The only thing, if you're growing veggies, like if you have lettuce and things like that, mm-hmm. you can't use it. You, you need to use more of a wire cage or wire fencing. Okay. Um, it's just otherwise because it, it's a herb-based product. It's not that it'll poison you or anything. It just tastes really badly. Oh, okay. So you don't want to you don't want to spray it on your veggies that you're actually eating. Um, the root, but if you had potato, like the leaves of potato of of plants that you're not going to eat, it's right. fine. Okay. It's just if you're going to eat it, um, it won't taste very good that way. Right. And for the soil, um, the big yellow bag is a great one, and you want to be about 18 inches deep. Sort mm-hmm. of, I I like to say minimum of that. And actually, I'm going to help you out, and you probably know I got I get to give away one bag a show, so I'm going to give you. Laura, a bag of big yellow bag of soil from our good friends at Eagle Lake Landscape Supply. Oh, that's so, excellent. I do thank yeah, you so, very much. Yeah, it depends on – so figure out how big a bed you're going to grow. Okay. And then you might need a bit more. If you need a bit extra, you can just order it at the same time, and they'll deliver it up for you as well. Oh, So, excellent. again – Thank you to our good friend. And they have a bunch of different varieties that you can choose from. So when you call in, once they get you set up, figure out which soil you need from them, and they'll be more than happy to help you out. And that's from our good friends at uh, Eagle Lake Landscape Supply with the big yellow bag. All right. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Thank Laura. You. All right. I'm just going to put you on hold, and okay. Charlie will get your name and number, all your contact, and we'll get you set up. Oh, thank you, Merle. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, and I'm going to go to the phone lines and we're going to chat with John. Good morning, John. Hi, John. John, are you there? Dale? Hello, John. Hey, Dale. Dale. Okay, hey, Dale. Yeah, thank you. I'm not sure whether you can answer this. Uh, We we tried changing the name to John, so sorry about that. Oh, I've been called (laughs) many names. I forget my own. (laughs) I hear you there. (laughs) All right. I was just wondering, do all plants have Latin names? Uh, Yes, for the most part, yes. Uh, When you order your plants, do you order them by the Latin name? Yes. Yes and no. Some we we get common name lists from our growers, and we but most of the perennials all come in in Latin. So I let uh, I don't let I I'm grateful that Zoe and Jen answer or order all the perennials in that. I'm and most of the annuals go by the common names. It's just with the perennials, there's just so many varieties. Um, they they definitely all go by Latin. Oh, I would. You know how this Latin came about? Why not some other language? Uh, I think this back in the day, that was sort of the prominent language back in the day. Like sort of like English is sort of taken over for a lot of things nowadays. Like when you, like even we just got our two containers of pottery in from Vietnam, and they always packed newspaper around it, right? Mm-hmm. But it comes in English, like it's an English newspaper, but it's from Vietnam. So it's uh, so I think just back in the day, the the Latin language was the one of choice. So when they were naming all the plants, so oh, just to make it more difficult for us, I think uh, Dale. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I guess I never hear people use the Latin name. No, but you, you do, you, and some of the stuff you will know because the Latin is the common name as well. So it's it's sort of. If you're around the garden center when they're ordering on order day, you'll hear Latin all the time. 
They're, so, uh, they're sort of making plants from another plant and creating a plant. Absolutely. Yeah, they're hybriding all the time. Yeah. And what they do, a lot of times right now, our growers are going over to Asia, uh, into Europe, into the hills and mountains. Like that's where a lot of these new hydrangeas have come from. They came, they've come from, from Germany and different places where there's similar zones to us. And then they've, they've take the tissue culture or cuttings from those um, plants. And then they bring them over here and start propagating them and license them here in North America. And then they just assign a lot name to them. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And uh, <laughs> similar to what uh, the uh, the Cowry Boxwood, that was one that John Reeder at the Reeder Rock Garden, he brought over from Europe or something, they're not too sure, what, like 100 years ago when they built the Reeder Rock Garden. And then a KCV Van Vloten, one of the growers, he had his own nursery. He was down at the, at the Reeder Rock Garden and he took cuttings from it and he brought it back to his nursery and propagated it. Now it's a plant in in inventory in most nurseries. Like we all have a, a boxwood that's called Cogri boxwood that's hardy for our zone. And that's how a lot of these plants come about. So Oh, oh I was just curious. Yeah, no, it's it's always interesting because um, we are getting nice new plants available to us, and but without them doing the research or traveling or or bringing them from other areas, um, without because hybriding them isn't always the best. So a lot of times when they go find those good varieties that are similar zones to us, they can transition and grow well here. All right, thanks, Dale. Take care, man. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. I'm Sue and this is our YYC. Keep your own backyard safely. Calgary has over 3,200 picnic tables to reserve in nine different parks. Energize is a mental and physical wellness challenge that starts in May. Create your team to help support mental health programs in our city. For more, visit globalnews.ca slash Calgary. RYYC is brought to you by Knickers and Lace. Get the comfort and support you deserve with a professional bra fitting at Knickers and Lace in Willow Park Village. Albertans are excited to get their COVID-19 vaccines. Vaccines are now rolling out to different age groups. And to make it as efficient as possible, remember to sign up, show up, and follow up. Sign up online when it's your turn or call 811. Show up and do your part to make sure as many Albertans as possible can get vaccinated. Welcome back to Let's Start Gardening, and right now I'm going to go to Kath Smythe, and uh, she's calling in from the virtual Kauri Horticultural Gardening Show. I can hear the crowd is going crazy down there, Kath. It's absolutely... Well, there's a lot of people here already this morning. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Everybody's it is. online, so you got all these heads on your screen. Well, you don't get to, on this particular feed that we get, we don't see their heads on oh, this one. But I did the social last night, 
and it well, I did get to see everybody, and it was so fun. Oh, we nice. had, I had 200 people. Awesome. It was really well, it's perfect fun. weather for a virtual show, right? It is. It is. And everybody gets to talk about gardening, just like you do on Sunday mornings. Absolutely. No. And like I said, when people call and they say they appreciate like I, I look forward to it every Sunday. Like I, I love it. Like it's yeah. Sunday morning, get to sit here, have my coffee, chat with gardening, get yeah. to talk to Kath every so often. Well, you never call good. me, so how am I supposed to know you want me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, so what's 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 happening on the show? And it, obviously it's going well so far? It is. It's going very well. Right now, Ken Fry, Dr. Fry, is talking about plants and practices for pollinators, and it's fascinating. He's awesome, eh? Oh, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Actually, i got to get him on the show as well. He's He's so good. Yes. Yes, he is. And yesterday, my favorite talk was Paul Zamet from the Niagara College. He's a professor there. Mm-hmm. He used to be part of the Botanical Garden in Toronto, but he was really informative and very spontaneous, and it was fun to listen to him. And it was from the standpoint of picking plant material and things, he was just really, you know, like, don't get bent out of shape, just choose something. <laughs> That's yeah. suitable for your area, and he gave really good information about choosing for our zone. So I like that. that. And that's the biggest thing. Like right now, I'm seeing some stuff, like even some of the boxers, like, and they're just bringing stuff that isn't hardy for our areas, right? And that's the most um, frustrating thing for a new gardener, right? They go to plant something. And it's sort of similar like that hydrangea that's called ever blooming or whatever it's called. Oh yeah. And I call I call it never bloom again. Because <laughs> it, it blooms once and and they keep pushing it as a as a as a hardy hydrangea for our area. It'll come up, you'll get a bit of foliage, but honestly it it, it never blooms again. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I renamed one, that one. What, yeah, I know the one you mean because I know somebody who bought it and thought they were gonna have flowers galore and they still all they have is actually, as she says, it's just a pretty shrub, but it has no yeah, flowers. But if you're in Kelowna or somewhere in Invermere, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's just not quite hardy enough for our zone. That's right. Um, it it, it so, really frustrates me, but I really am enjoying the speakers, and the local speakers are really interesting. Later today, we're having Jeremy Zoller. He's doing food forests and edible landscaping. I bet you all the food ones are super popular. Oh, they they were. They are. And and um actually Elaine Rood's going to do designing the Waterwise Garden and she's awesome. done a whole bunch of special designs just for the project that we do with the city. So awesome. it's gonna be very interesting to watch that one. You guys are always busy down at the Calgary Horse Society. <laughs> so if someone wants to Say they got late and they decide, hey, I, I should have done it. But if they do join in today, buy a ticket, they can still go back and watch everything uh, from yesterday. Absolutely, right through till the end of the week. And it's they will put it back live and you can rewatch all the speakers. I'm actually, that's the only way I'm going to get to see them all. So I will rejoin. But you can still buy tickets right now online at the at calhort.com. Or, dot org, and you can still come in and join later in today. You can come and hear myself and Joanna and Elaine talk about desert island plants. Ooh, sounds fun. <laughs> well, I mean, I gave them a chore. They each had to pick three plants that they couldn't live without. And then we're <laughs> going to debate why we like them. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. You know what? Uh, my gladiator crabs, they're the first ones to bud out. Actually, the sh- I have a couple of Schubert's in the front yard that yes. are boulevard trees. They're budding gladiator. pretty heavy. Yeah, but I was surprised that they're actually they're one of the first ones. They're ahead of my laurel leaf willows. Really? And uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're they're. And you're you down see in the that red down in the river stone. valley yeah. too. So that's really amazing. Yeah, no, it's uh, they then they all survived, and unfortunately, we get a lot of rabbits down here too. But I was fortunate enough that our little doggies scared away the rabbits, and oh, uh, so we were fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so, and if someone wants to find you guys, you're at calhort.org. Yes. You can sign up. And then up. if you buy your ticket online, you can come in live into the show right now. And there's all sorts of people chit-chatting online. It's very interesting following the chats. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks right. for calling in, Kath. And we'll we'll chat soon I'm sure for we sure. will. T- oh, tell Dwight thank you for the seeds. And I got to tell you they're the biggest plants he's ever given me. Awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. All right. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And I'm just going to mention one thing from earlier. I was talking about um, when we're doing this early cleanup, and I did forget to mention this. I'd mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. We just got to be careful of the ladybugs. So when you're pulling up your debris, debris, try not using like a vacuum or anything. Like try using your hands when you cut it off and just look for ladybugs and maybe give this, the dry stuff a bit of a shake. Maybe try and shake them off if you see any. Because that's the one thing. You want to try and preserve those ladybugs in your garden. It's important. They're very beneficial. They'll eat a lot of the bad bugs. So you try and save those uh, ladybugs in your garden. But right now I'm going to go to the phone lines. I'm going to chat with Don. Good morning, Don. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good, good. How can I help you? I'm down here in southern Alberta. It's snowing like mad, and I need to power rake my lawn. What, okay. When? How long do I have to wait till this after this snow goes? I, I I would wait till it's nice and dry. You just you don't want to do it when it's wet because you'll end up tearing it up. So you yeah. want to wait just till it's good and dry. So this week looks pretty good. So hopefully by Friday you should be able to to go out there and and uh, give it a good power rake. That's the most important thing is just making sure it's dry. You just start seeing the green coming underneath, and and typically at that point you're good. Give it a good power rake. Give it a raking. Um, rake up all the loose thatch and then hit it with the fertilizer at that point. Or if you need top dressing, you can do it at that time as well. So this coming week would probably be better for aeration. Yeah, but you want to make sure before you aerate, it needs to be totally thawed. And I would water it really well before you aerate because you want to get good deep plugs. So, so many times in in southern Alberta, our soil is so hard. And if the soil is dry, your aerator just bounces on top. So you want to get it really moist. So you want to water it really well. So even after the snow, when it's wet, if you, it's actually a better time to aerate early. Yeah, so like maybe on Monday, you aerate, and then you can power rake, and that'll break up the some of the lumps in that later on in the week. Right. Excellent. That's what I needed to know. All right, but uh, ideally you'd want to wait, power rake, water really well, and then do your aerating at that point. All righty. Thanks, Merle. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Don. You bet. Bye-bye. 
All right. And I think I'm just going to read a couple of texts. And then when I get back, I will actually get three minutes. I'm going to go to Al. Hey, Al, we're going to chat about your Good asparagus. Morning. Hey, how can I help you? Good morning, bro. Yeah, I uh, picked up a pack of the Florissa uh, asparagus crowns, I guess they call them, roots yep. or whatever, from you folks. Now, I was looking on video, but uh, it's kind of, it's the southern state that seems to have the instructions on the way to plant it. And uh, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Okay, so... I, so Basically, if you're going to do an asparagus patch, you want, and they like a little bit of a sandier soil. They don't like a real, really heavy, rich soil. So if you can even add a little bit of garden sand into there, or even um, some sharp sand would be great, zeolite. And uh, and you want to find a good hot location for them, too. Like, they like it hot, well-drained soil. Okay. Uh, and can, we, can you do them in a box? Um, it has to be really quite a big box, like especially in, in southern Alberta and Calgary here. Um, what kills them is when we get our warm Chinooks and those boxes dry out, and then the root and that will typically desiccate in the ground. So if it's if, if the box is connected to the ground, you're usually fine. Or just make sure you mulch it over well or try and shade it a bit if you are going to grow it in a box. But typically they do better in the ground. Okay, how far apart do they have to be? Not that far, like sort of six, eight inches. I like to okay. grow them in clusters, like sort of plant a, a, quite a few of them because the amount you get, like you get a few spears off each one, right? So by the time you, you go to harvest it, <laughs> so if you have two or three plants, you're really not going to get enough, like you have enough for a meal or two. So if you, if you want it, you kind of want to get like eventually – eight to 12 or 16 plants going. So okay. we have a bit more of an asparagus patch. Okay. According to that Floresa bag that says there's eight of the. Perfect. There. Perfect. But, uh, it doesn't look that big though. <laughs> yeah. The roots are sort of quite small. So, which is fine. So you can just separate them out and, uh, and plant them. You'll kind of see where they, they should you should be able to see a spot where it looks like it's growing up from the root or from the bulb and, uh, and stick them in and you can plant those almost any time. So. Okay. Alrighty. Very good. Thank you. All right. Thanks Al. Take care, bud. Bye now. Good luck. And it's fun trying those things, but again, like on some of them to get enough, um, harvest out of them, you need to grow a fair bit to be able to to have asparagus because you know when you have asparagus and for the family you get a few of those heads you put them in foil and butter and garlic and nice put them on the barbecue but off one or two plants you're just not going to get a ton of it so you want to you want to ensure that you you have enough for the harvest pick four or five veggies that you really like and that's what i recommend people start growing stuff you really really like first don't start with 25 different veggies start with your top five grow them and then expand from there because then you'll have more success and then you'll be much happier. And my people will be happy if I take a break for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Light snow and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. 
This weekend's three-day virtual conference and annual general meeting will come to an end today between the Alberta Schools Council Association and parents. On Friday and Saturday's conference, parents participated in learning sessions, group dialogues, and listened to keynote speakers' presentations. The annual general meeting held today will allow members to vote on resolutions put forward at the conference that could become advocacy policies. ASCA President Brandy Ray says a primary concern for parents is a reduced engagement with schools as a result of the pandemic. Sue McIntosh and her fiancé Blaine Gray were planning to get married this May, so last July they booked their stay at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel. Last month they received an email from the supervisor that the hotel is now fully booked during their date. Carolyn Curry-DiCastillo explains what happened next. Sue replied wondering how this was possible considering she made the reservations eight months ago. That was followed by an email from the general manager of the hotel stating we can't host any other guests until May 10th. The manager offered a presidential suite at another hotel at a discounted rate. Sue responded saying she didn't want a different room and asked for an explanation as to what happened. She got an email stating the hotel is being closed to the public for health measures as we were instructed by AHS to not accept any reservations or allow the public access. But something still didn't seem right to the couple. So on Friday, they drove to the hotel where they say a security guard told them the hotel was booked for Curling Canada. Sue says she understands that the hotel would want to jump on the opportunity to book an entire hotel, but what she's angry about is what they were told. Hotel's manager sent Sue an email saying he stated the facts honestly without misleading information. The couple has since postponed their wedding for another year and said they are not interested in the new offer from the hotel. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. Members of the United Conservative Party want the man at the top out. Global News has obtained a, a copy of an unsigned letter going around demanding Premier Jason Kenney resign, citing the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions to poll numbers. Mount Royal University political scientist Duane Bratt says this isn't surprising. It doesn't take a whole lot of constituency associations to get to 70 or 80 people, given that these boards at a local level might have 8, 10, 12 people. UCP President Ryan Becker says this letter doesn't overtake the party's rules and procedures. And the city's asking for $200 million to help kickstart the plan to revamp Calgary's downtown core. Part of the plan will focus on the high vacancy rate, which sits at 30%, resulting in property values declining by $16 billion. Ward 7 City Councillor Drew Farrell says it's high time to reinvest in the city's core. It's an area that we have extracted value for many, many years and not reinvested for a very long time, and it shows. So now this is about reinvestment. If approved, the plan would see $45 million used to incentivize redevelopment and convert unused office space into residential apartments. A decision on the funding is set to go up front in in front of City Council tomorrow morning. A new poll suggests U.S. President Joe Biden's 100-day approval rating isn't like that of other American presidents. April 30th will mark President Biden's 100th day on the job, but a new ABC News Washington Post poll shows Biden has the third lowest job approval rating for any president at 100 days since Harry Truman. Just 52% of Americans approve of Biden's performance so far. Only lower was Gerald Ford at 48% in 1974 and Donald Trump at 42% in 2017. Biden's high mark, his handling of the pandemic, his low mark, the immigration crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border. Derek Dennis, ABC News. 
Global News Sky Tracker weather periods of snow today with a high of plus three, dropping to a low of minus four tonight with a 30% chance of flurries overnight. And tomorrow, mainly sunny with a high of 12 degrees. It's minus one at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And I'm going to go to the phone lines and I'm going to talk with Richard. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Merle. Not hey, a bad day. Hey, yeah, it's no. not bad. <laughs> Snowing a little bit. Not I, too bad. I pruned out my raspberries yesterday and have okay. uh, lots of new stocks, of course. Now, how can I improve my, my like this year, the productivity? Like last year, I got a good supply, but it uh, could have been better. Uh, now, I, I'm going to put some uh, steering on it. And uh, what would be the, if I put a chemical fertilizer, what would be that? A 15, 30, 15? Yeah, I would use the 15, 30, 15. Just be careful with the manure because a lot of times it has high nitrogen and all you're going to get is a whole bunch of growth with no yeah. fruit. So but I thought with, with the 15, 30, 15, uh, you know, like up, down, around, uh, you know, it, it yeah, did work. You just, yeah, you just got to watch sometimes with the, with the too much manure or yeah. it, it just it spikes it so much that you'll get tons of growth. So just just be careful with that. Sometimes um, I'd go lighter than heavy with the manure, like mix it okay. in. And uh, the biggest thing is ensuring that, like, you put a soaker hose along your hedge or along the raspberry patch. Do yeah. a slow, deep watering. Get that in there, and then fertilize with the fifteen thirty fifteen. After that, after I after I put the water on it. Yeah, okay. you get the soil oh, wet first because then yeah. that way you're not wasting the fertilizer. It'll, it more takes a lot slower to soak in if it's mm -hmm. nice and if the soil is already wet. And okay. then that way you're not wasting your soil. And then you yeah, don't burn I, your leaves either. Right. I have two rows of it. Then I just usually put a hose right in the center of it and I just let it soak. Perfect. In. Now, uh, you were talking to a lady about the depth of uh, uh, raised garden. Mine, I'm making two of them. Is it not advisable to cut two or three inches of like gravel or something in the bottom, like for drainage? Yeah, I guess it all depends on what you're doing. If you're using a good, well-drained soil, like the stuff from the from the big yellow bag or our spruced up all-purpose soil, you really don't mm -hmm. need the gravel in the bottom because, yeah. And depending on what type of box you have, like if you're using a cedar box, like the the water will be able to go through the cracks in the wood and things like that. Or if oh, you drill holes, if you have a solid yeah. one, because most of the, if you're using a well-drained soil, you're fine. Like, yeah, yeah. you don't need to put, you, you can always, if you want to add some gravel for extra drainage, by all means, but yeah, most of the time if you're using a good, yeah, put good potting soil, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have to go all the way up with, with like a good soil? Like, can, can you put about four or five inches of, you know, like the stuff that I've picked up from the yard, put that on the bottom, like gravel that, and then like about six inches of good soil on top with some potting soil? Um, I like to do a bit more because your roots go down pretty quick. Like I'd maybe do one-third of kind of filler soil on the bottom yep. and then do two-thirds of good soil. And then every year I just take the top third off. I don't rip out all my soil every year. I usually okay. just take out the top third and put nice fresh soil into my boxes and beds and stuff. Put some nice potting soil on the top, hey? Yeah, and I just replace, like I said, I take out the top third with all the roots and, and things like that in it, and then I put fresh soil in the top. Okay. All righty. Another one. Uh, what about cattail? Are they cost of
Um, they they can be yes. Like I have them actually in my yard, and and I keep them contained. But I dig them out every so often if they start spreading. They can be invasive, but it needs to be fairly moist. Like I like them in my garden. I have them in a couple spots where it's a little bit wetter. I have some sandbar willow, and then I have cattails in the back of oh. my yard, and I kind of like them around the fence. It kind of gives that natural right. look, but they can be invasive. So, but they're easy to control. You just you just dig down like with a sharp edger and you can just prune out, cut out the ones you don't want. And they're okay. actually really, really easy. But to my contain, situation so. is my, my situation is where the cattails are. I use that water from that pond or, you know, it's a sloop and I use that yeah. to help the water my yard. And they've just taken over that whole pond. Like even the ducks and geese won't land in there anymore. But I yeah, so you might want to get out there maybe with a, if you can get a hole out there of some sort and uh, just scoop a bunch of those out of there if you can. Well, yeah, I want to so I can get the water. Uh, are you allowed to kill those? Yeah, if it's on your thing, you can dig them out. Sure. So can you spray it like with Roundup or something? Or I wouldn't, in, not, especially not with your water. I would definitely wouldn't do that. What about uh, what, copper sulfate? But that's just about as bad, isn't it? No, well, that's more of a fungicide. So to kill yeah. them, I think you'd have to dig them out. Like I would just get like a, a mini hoe of some sort or a backhoe on your tractor and, and dig them out that way and then just, and then put something back in there, like yeah. some sort of soil or, or something well, like that after. Some, yeah, I was told by somebody that if you if you get rid of these things, like if you're a farmer, uh, like what is it, ducks on livers, you get after you because you've taken out their habitat. I, I think you have to be careful on that for sure. If it's if it's registered as a as a natural habitat for sure, but there's certain areas that if you need it on your land and you're using it, I think you're okay. You're like you're not taking them all out. You're just you're eliminating a, an area for you to utilize the water and stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. you can call Ducks Unlimited. They'd be more than happy to to check with them or call your MD and ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Thank Richard. You. Take care, Ben. Bye bye. All right. Where am I at for time? I'm okay. I'm going to go to Robin. Good morning, Robin. Hi, Robin. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks. Um, How can I help you? I've, I've got a question about some lattice we've got. We'd like to put up uh, some sort of uh, ivy to just give a little bit of extra privacy. Um and I know, I guess, hops grow fairly rapidly, but I'm wondering if there's some sort of a clematis or a rose or another type of some sort of privacy thing that would work for that area that grows almost as rapidly? Um, unfortunately, not in Calgary, like mm-hmm. um, in our area. Like the Virginia creeper, Ingleman ivy, or hops are your ones that just give her. Okay. Um, but if you have a nice accent wall, so what you can do is use the Virginia creeper in the background to give you your mass and then just have a separate trellis and, and you can train the other ones not to grow on it and sort of have a have like a four by six square or rectangle set inside that you have a clematis grow up in the center of it. And that oh. sort of it would be framed with all the green foliage and then you have your clematis growing in the center. Oh great idea. Okay. Awesome. Do you have time for one more, Merle? Absolutely. Um, I, I'm trying to ger- trying to germinate some cantaloupe seeds, and um, we've grown spaghetti squash and pumpkins before. Um, just wondering how much of a spread we're going to get off the plant from a cantaloupe. 
Um, once they get grown, it'll be very similar to cucumbers. Okay. Um, so it's not going to be as big like as a pumpkin for the spread. And you can keep it contained a bit more as well. Like you can okay. control the vines as it grows. You can pinch and then it'll thicken up and send more vines out in oh, smaller spaces. Yeah. So it can grow Again, it in like just a be careful. barrel? Yeah, mm-hmm. or a, a longer trough would work as well. Um, mm-hmm. A barrel would work fine. They like it fairly warm. So you like you'd want a night if you have a if you could get yourself like a really nice big black pot or something or a darker colored pot because it just it brings the heat in and uh, would be very beneficial. Good well drained soil and again cannot take any frost. Any frost at all? Okay. Um, yeah. I, I totally cut you off there. You were going to say something about just be careful when I'm pruning the trailers. I I don't know what you were going to say. Um, no, I think we're, no, I think we're all good. You just, and the only other thing with the Virginia creeper is that you want to get yourself some pure spray green. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you get, you will get those leaf hoppers on there. Like once it heats up in July. So if you start earlier, like sort of, if you start, if you spray it once a week, sort of starting at the beginning of July for, mm-hmm. for that once every once a week for four weeks, um, you, you, you won't end up getting all those leaf hoppers all over your Virginia creeper. Great. I'll fix them up. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I got a few texts here. I got a couple more minutes before the break. Um, it says, Merle, what are your thoughts on growing strawberries in a tractor tire? Do strawberries love sandy soil and heat? Actually, if you have a nice big tractor um, tire, in the backyard, it would be great. It would uh, it would do well in that. It likes the heat, a good all-purpose soil. Um, you could even do like half garden loam, half potting soil. It, it does like that, and uh, it should perform really quite well because they'll get nice nice warm roots, and and get the reflection or the heat transformation from the tire into the soil. So that should work really well, and the. Uh, It'll kind of dress that tire up looking pretty good. One of my neighbors has a tire. I'm looking at it right now. He has a tractor tire. He's in the tire business, and he has his dry creek bed going through a tire. And it, I think it's very appropriate. He owns a. He's in the tire business, and that's sort of what helped him pay for his house. So he has a he has a tribute to it out in his front yard, and it and he has this dry creek bed going through the tractor tire. So it's kind of cool. Another thing, if you're looking at uh, at your grass, and we have started up the new Green It Up lawn and tree care this year, we are uh, we'll come out and fertilize your lawn for you. So if you're looking for that service, um, by all means, you can sign up on our website, and uh, we'll come out and do the three applications of fertilizer for you, and then also Mark is doing the deep root injections for your trees and shrubs. If you, if you do need the trees on, we are doing that as well for the birch leaf miner and also the deep root fertilizing, um, for your trees. So we'll have that rolling still a bit early. I know Mark was talking about getting that up and going the first week in May here. Um, we'll start doing the deep root fertilizing and the green it up lawn fertilizing. So if you want to get signed up for that, uh, give us a call. We'd be more than happy to get that all lined up for you and look after you for the season. And if you'd like to call me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. 
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's full-service year-round garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, print it up. We got you covered. And I just got a text from Richard. Um, I believe he's in Lethbridge, and uh, he put a, a note in his phone saying that it was 90 days ago we had fog, and we should be expecting moisture. So it looks like that old... Uh, that old method of forecasting is still working pretty good. When I'm looking outside, we see a little bit of moisture out there. So thanks for that, Richard. I love when everyone shares their uh, um, things like that with us. It's it's always good to know. But right now I'm going to go to the phone lines and we're going to chat with Sylvia. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Well, I just have a real quick question. Um, I bought some geraniums in a little two-inch pot. And I transplanted okay. them to a four inch. I was wondering, should I pinch off like the center growth of those to get them to bush out more? Absolutely, yeah. If, especially if they're just one, if there's just sort of seems like just one stem, I we always we always would typically pinch our geraniums. Just and uh, right now is a great right? time to do that. Just break just break off like a a quarter inch or a half inch or something at the most, oh, and that, that will definitely. Okay, and then. Take Thank off. you. That's all I needed to know. Thank you so much. Yeah, and if there's any blooms, take them off as well at this time because you want the plant to concentrate on growth right now. Okay, so thank you so much. Right. Bye. Thanks, Sylvia. Bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to go to, I believe it's Lil. Good morning, Lil. Oh, good morning. Hi there. How can I help you? Uh, I'm, I have a fritillaria, two fritillaria bulbs, and they came up lovely. And as a Friday morning, they don't look so nice because of the frost. Yeah. Are they not hardy? I think, well, they're, they're actually, they're fairly hardy, but I would just, you just got to be, uh, again, with this cold, it's Mother Nature, right? Yeah. And they'll sort of just send itself back down. So what I would do is just, just be patient. Um, it's probably just set down again in the cold. And once we heat up again this week, it uh, so it wouldn't even hurt to just pile a little bit of snow around it, um, just that extra moisture going into it, or covered up with some leaves or something, and uh, and then early, later this week when it warms up, you can just expose it again. Well, it's about eighteen inches tall. Oh, really? Okay, so it's popped up that much. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it just. Yeah, I guess you can't cover it up at this point. Let's just see what it does. Hopefully, it uh, isn't affected too much, but it is hard here, so you should be okay. It depends what variety it is. Like some of them are zone four or five. So, um, but if it's up that high, that's that's. And you planted it last fall, or? Well, one is three years old already. Okay, nice. And last year yeah, they were so, perfectioned, and this year they don't look like they'll be perfectioned. <laughs> Okay, well, sometimes they're fairly resilient, though. Once we get our sun going again, it might recover and pop back out. Okay. All right. All you, it's all you can do with this one. I think I would just be patient and, and then hope for the best. Yes, thank you very much. All right, sorry. Thanks, Lil. Sorry. Okay. Not much help. Bye-bye. And I'm going to go to Kim. Good morning, Kim. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. Hey, I have a couple questions I want to ask. Um, my first would be, years ago, I had a very good friend, and he had done landscaping and gardening and contract work for about 20-some-odd years. And he said, you know, the stuff you get in the box stores, 
is not as great as you think it is. You know, people think Scots are the best. <laughs> Scots are the best. Yep. But I know the Green It Up that you sell at your store, and it has been created to do our arid climate. Hence, we don't live in Arizona, but we live in a place called Alberta, and every area of the province is different in its microclimates. I understand that. But he Absolutely. told me, he told me, that a very few people know, and he knows this because he's been a contractor for so many years, that the fertilization rate is based out of 100%. So when you go 30, 10, 10, that's actually 50% of what you're getting. The rest of it might be water or fillers or whatever. Can you explain that? Well, it, it is, but that's the, like on our fertilizer. When we when we get it, it's made up of those components, like sixteen thirty two six, and there is some other filler put in there. Um, but with with ours, you're only getting like a quality fertilizer, slow release. But the formulation is for ours. Like most of the stuff you're getting in the box stores is thirty two zero four, and the reason is is where the population is in Toronto and Vancouver they do not need phosphate because they already yeah. have that in their soil. But Correct. in Calgary, we need it desperately. And then when you use the, the our green up lawn fertilizer, you need to get those good deep roots. So up, down, all around. So the middle numbers yeah. are down. And yeah. that's where it, that's, it makes all the difference because you water probably half as much once you start using it. And yeah. you don't get the super growth because it's just not all nitrogen like the other one. Like the other one does get it green. But as soon as it heats up in the summer, there's no yeah. roots to sustain the foliage up top. No so you end up having power. to water <laughs> three times no- a week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I understand that. And I, 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 it's good. And I, I'm going to put my hand out and say, go for the green it up. Not the, yeah. the crap you Absolutely. get in the box stores. Scots or CIL or whatever, like go for a road trip to spruce up. That's what I'm going to say. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you. One other thing, uh, heads up for people that live out in the boonies like me, um, we have growing au naturel, um, the crocus, the prairie crocus, and they haven't opened up yet where I live. But what I did last year was I took a bucket of water and I moistened the ground. I dug up the whole root ball, the grass, and everything else that grows out in my prairie pasture. And I put that into, you know, every two or three feet into my flower bed. And granted, I dug yep. out the grass this year. And they're doing awesome. So I'm saying That's... don't think that it just grows out in the boonies. You can have that growing as a perennial in your bed. I, I had, yeah, I had someone do it in their lawn so and they leave their lawn early so the crocuses actually come up in their lawn but by the time your grass is growing the crocuses are done done. and then you can mow your grass like regular so yeah Yeah. i love it yeah exactly so i appreciate you so much yes thank you thank you take care you as well bye-bye all right and i need to take a break for the news you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr It's lightly snowing and zero in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Madeline DeBellis. 
Calgary City Council will debate a plan tomorrow involving $200 million to convert vacant offices into residential apartments. Councillors say it's vital they they attract investment from the private sector if they hope to see the plan become reality. And this weekend's three-day virtual conference and annual general meeting will come to an end today between the Alberta Schools Council Association and parents. A primary concern for parents is the reduced engagement with schools as a result of the pandemic. A high of three today with periods of snow, a low of minus four tonight with a 30% chance of flurries, mainly sunny tomorrow with a high of 12. It's zero. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. I'm going to go to the phone line, and I'm going to go to Bonnie. Good morning, Bonnie. Oh, hi, Merle. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How can I help you? Good. Um, Well, uh, I made a garden last year. I'm out in the country, and I had such a bad slug problem that whenever I weed whacked, I had slug parts all over my legs. It was just disgusting. (laughs) And um, I'm wondering if I could get ahead of it this year. Last year, I I put my chickens in to see if they would eat slugs, and they ate everything but the slugs, it seems, so that didn't work. I hear that stale beer uh, works, but maybe you you can have a little, they're called slug pubs. So you sort of you get a tinfoil tray or a pie plate, and you put it Mm -hmm. into the ground, and then you just fill that with beer. Yeah. And then the slugs will go into that as well. Oh, okay. But part of the problem is do a really good cleanup and and then just try watering. Like don't water if you're watering at night or early in the morning, try watering a little bit later in the day and just try okay. not watering the leaves so much. It's just again when it's too wet, they okay. they tend to come in and they like that. So you, I think you just gotta run things maybe a little bit drier. Okay. Uh, another thing you can use is diatomaceous earth. It's a really, it's a really sharp um, product, and in agriculture they use it for horses and different things. But you be very careful the dust; you don't want to get in your eyes or anything because it's really, really like a sharp sand. Okay, and is this something I could get ahead on this year? Yeah, absolutely. Again, do a really good cleanup, remove all the dead foliage and things like that, and then just try and do more slower, deeper watering and less often. And if you're okay. watering kind of every day. Um, if you get it too wet, that tends to make it the issues that way. Okay, super. Well, thank and you very much. And then set up a couple of those, set up a couple of those slug pubs, and uh, you'll be good. <laughs> okay. Okay. I hope Alrighty. so. Thank you so much. Thanks. All okay, right. Bye-bye. Take care, Bonnie. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and I'm going to go to Barry. Good morning, Barry. How's it going, Mel? Good. Good. How can I help you? Well, the, the leaf roller, is the leaf roller the same as the leaf hopper? No, the leaf roller is like a little um, worm-type um, caterpillar. And they don't okay. really do a ton of harm unless they come in at full force where they you'll see them sometimes if you're driving like just south of Calgary, and they kind of go in three-year cycles, and they'll just clear a whole patch of aspens or whatever, right? They can go in and just and just do it like a big swath and they eat every bit of foliage. But the leaf rollers affect our, our, our Swedish columnar aspens mainly and things like that here. And it's really hard to 
keep them at bay. It's sort of you have to find the perfect timing is when they're crawling up and give them a, a spray like with the pure spray green or BTK. But once they're in the leaf rolled up, it's really hard to um, get at them because they're they're in that protection. And that's why they do it. They go in, they roll the leaf up, and uh, and that protects them. Yeah, that's what I noticed. I had them for a few years on the aspen, but uh, this past year we had them on the spring snow. And um, and you know what I mean by the spring snow? Yeah, ornamental yeah the, the ornamental crab. Yeah. That's right. And, and, uh, they, and they're... They're more of just, and they'll come in cycles. So if you had them last year, you probably won't have them as much this year. Do a really good cleanup around, and then early spring, like when the when the leaves are really soft and they first come out, just as soon as it's done blooming, maybe give it a spray with the pure spray green at that point, and that okay. way, if there's any of the caterpillars or or BTK, um, you can spray it with that at that point. Okay. Just, but I'd wait till after the first bloom. Okay, and also, uh, and do it uh, every couple of weeks. Yeah, I would just during that time when they typically come, and that sort of it's just after all they fully leaf out when the foliage is nice and soft. I find that's when they get in there because that's when they like eating the leaves, right? When it's nice and lush and new. Yeah, they don't like them when yeah. they're old and and uh, and uh, rough, or a little bit rougher at that point. So it's like it, it's. it's yeah, absolutely. It's it's a hard one. Like it's just okay. keeping it at bay. And they don't really. It doesn't do a ton of damage. It just looks like crap on there, right? So that's right. Yeah, just it takes out about like a foot of leaves and it's sporadically throughout the, the tree. And here's another question: I was at your store uh, last week and I picked up what I I'm guessing is copper sulfate. It's it's called eco yeah. something else, but it's a yeah. light turquoise powder. Uh, yeah. Now. What I because I had some problems with uh, some fungus on the rose bushes for the last few years. If I can yep. you do a soil soak with that or um, you can do a little bit of a soil drench, but you kind of want to get it mixed up and give it a spray on the foliage, and then that will help with the powdery mildew and black spot. Okay, so just again wait till the leaves start coming out and then start spraying. Yeah, absolutely, and you can also use pure spray green for that as well. So okay, it just right. if you if you start seeing a bunch of the black dot that's or black um, spot on your roses, that's where that uh, copper sulfate is great. It is okay, yep. and it, it I mean they they scare the heck out of you on the label, but is it is it particularly toxic or is it just yeah no, just you, and you got to be careful with a lot of that stuff. It's just follow the directions, wear gloves, watch the watch the powder when you're mixing it. Like don't stick your face right down there when you're. When you're when you're yeah. mixing it, because you'll you'll get a bit of a dust. So just just be careful. Take your time. Um, mix it really good. Get something you can shake it up because it's sometimes hard to mix with water. So get it into the and I add it to water typically. Like I'll get my water mix and then I'll add the copper sulfate to the water and then agitate it from there. Okay. Is it is it effective or more a little more effective to put it onto a rose bush, say with a watering can or with a sprayer, like a bump sprayer? I would do a sprayer. Get the nice droplets. Get it mixed in there nicely. Okay, you got it. Once again, thanks All for right. your help. Okay, man. No problem. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, and that was Barry. I think I'm going to take a quick break. And if you'd like to join us, there might be a couple spots, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to chat with Jean. Good morning, Jean. Hi, Jean. Um, I have um, uh, I was gifted a perennial a few years ago, and along with it okay. uh, came a creeping Charlie. I assume it's a creeping Charlie. It's a ground cover with little purple flowers. Okay. Uh, the only thing now it's spreading through my lawn. And I don't really mind the look of it, but I'm afraid I'm going to be sorry in a few years if I don't uh, get it under control. Or what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I would definitely get it under control. It, it, they are fairly invasive. So what you can use is a product called Killex. And yeah. I would only spray it. You spray it in your lawn. It's a selective herbicide, so it won't kill grass or anything. It's a broadleaf herbicide, so it only kills... Um, the broadleaf weeds and things like that. So if you're using it your grass, you're totally fine. And if you're using our Green It Up lawn fertilizer, it'll help choke that out as well because it'll thicken up your lawn. Oh, you have your own lawn fertilizer? I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and it's it says uh, it's formulated for Calgary with a high middle number. It'll give you really nice thick roots for our climate here in Calgary. And what is the name of that? It's called Green It Up Lawn Fertilizer. Oh, perfect. Um, I'll pick some of that up. With the killer, yeah. do I have to do that repeatedly or one shot? Um, no, typically once, but you got to wait till it's warmed up and, and wait until the weeds are actively growing and only spot spray the weeds where you see them. Because it, it's, 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 it's rapidly growing. I, I'm, I've left well, it. if it's already growing, then just wait till like this week when it's warm, like sort of above that uh, 10, 15 degrees, and then give them a shot with that, and that would be perfect. Okay, okay, excellent. Uh, we also have a weeping birch that's got um, the birch leaf miner. Uh, yep. We water it lots. We use your rage on it. But um, I, I'm concerned that it's not um, not getting better. Anything else you can yeah, do? It's, it's, yeah, what you can do is you can call Mark with, uh, with our printed up department, and he can do the on. We do the tree injection where we'll we'll we drill a hole into the into the trunk and we inject it with a systemic insecticide right. that will go up there and it will get rid of all the birch leaf miner but oh. also in, ensure that you're doing like either the deep root fertilizer with mark or if you're using the rage plus and the deep watering is really important for the birch okay um what causes the birch leaf miner so i can it's a it's a well it's a fly and it flies up and turns into a little bug like a caterpillar and it goes up and then it just sits inside your leaf it buries itself in there like it's called the leaf miner so it gets inside the leaf and it just eats the leaves from the inside out so it's possible we could get it again type of thing right yeah and this stuff lasts typically one to two seasons um, a lot of people get it done every year to their trees, um, but there is a bit of a residual. It depends how bad you've had it. Like if it's really bad, you might need like a treatment this year and then every year, and depending on the size of the tree. But Mark is an expert on that. They can they'll measure up the diameter of your trunk, and then they'll apply the right amount of product for your tree. That's great. Well, thank you so much. That's excellent advice. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Thank Thanks, Gene. Bye-bye. All right. Where am I at for time? I'm good. I'm going to go to Mariah. Good morning, Mariah. I have a black currant in a sunny location, and okay. I want to know the best way to increase its production. It's been producing very few berries the last couple of years. I've cut 
back what I think the right amount of deadwood is, is but okay. I'm not really sure of what I'm doing. Okay. And a lot of times your currants are fairly heavy feeders as well. So when they're producing fruit, they do need the fertilizer, like the high middle number. Let's say you want to feed it here in the next week or two when it starts warming up a little bit. You want to hit it with a 15, 30, 15. Um, give it a really good watering early spring here, like get those soaker hose around it. Do a couple of good slow deep waterings and then fertilize it with 15, 30, 15. Because this is when it's sort of setting its bud and setting its fruit and setting all the foliage. So if it goes into that season really dry, you're going to get very little fruit. But if you set it up for success right now, give it some good moisture, get the right fertilizer in there, get the 15, 30, 15, um, it'll give you lots of fruit. What do I prune back? Um, not a lot. On those ones, it's really only the dead, damage, or disease branching. Because um, they, and if they want to thin them out a bit, but really for the most part on your currants, it's just you kind of let them go. And uh, and they should do fine. If they get real thick, you can thin them out. But for the most part, like they're not ones that need a whole lot of maintenance. It really sprawls. Yeah. Can so I? if you want to keep it contained a bit, like so it doesn't sort of get all over the place, you can trim it up. Um, but I would do that sort of later summer, early fall. And then that way, it's when it sets bud for the next year, you're going to get the fruit production. And that's okay. where you got to be careful. You're not cutting off the blooms and things of like that too early because then you'll get less fruit. Okay. And how can I encourage my Dutch white clover to spread in my lawn? Um, same thing. If you're using our green up lawn fertilizer, it'll help with that. And if you just overseed it in there and make sure you're not using a Kill X because it will kill your clover in your lawn. So you, you don't want to use that. Make sure you're not using a kill X or anything. But if you're mm -hmm. using our fertilizer, it'll work just as good with the, with the clover as well. Okay, thank you. All righty. Thanks, Mariah. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye -bye. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. I got to give away that other one. And I'd like to give away a $1-800 Got Junk gift certificate for $100. And I'll give that to the third caller. If you call in, 403-974-8255. Um, Charlie will get your name and number. And we'll get you a gift certificate to 1-800 Got Junk. And we'll help you clean up your yard and, uh, and get all that stuff out of your yard. So, but right now I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to chat with Sheila. Good morning, Sheila. Hi, Merle. How are you today? Good, good. How can I help you? I have planted some um, bro um, brassica seedlings. So I've got broccolini, okay. the orange cauliflower, purple cauliflower, but they're okay. gone leggy on me. 
Okay, you, you still have them in the house? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they don't. They don't like it if it gets too warm. They will get. They will get leggy on you. So what you want to do is start cooling them off. Um, so get them into uh, outside, like any of the days, even where it's above zero, like plus three and above, they can be outside. And you just want to get the soil dried out, and and get them firmed up a bit, and then you can transplant them. Are they still in a tray, or are they individually potted right now? They're in a tray. I put them in peat pots, but then cover the peat pots with soil as well to keep some moisture in. Okay. Yeah, so what you want to do, and when they get kind of floppy, you just want to get them climatized. So you might even want to take them out and transplant them into like a four-inch pot or something and then okay. start putting them outside and just slow that down and firm them up. They they really they don't like – they're one of those cool plants. They like it. They, they do like it a little bit cooler at the beginning. If it gets too warm for them, they, they will get floppy and soft on you. Okay. Do you have time for okay. a second question? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking for a variety of uh, colorful hydrangeas to plant in a full sun location as kind of a okay. border or hedge. Okay. Um, quick fire is a great one for a hedge as well. And there's also the Annabelle mauve. There's an Annabelle pink one. Um, that you can use, or Invincible Pink as well. Um, but I find for the hedge, like the quick fire is still your best one um, if you want a bit of color. Okay, or and what color want, are like those a, come in? Um, they, come, they only come in really one color. They're kind of a pinky white color, okay. sort of like a quick fire. And it turns a deeper red depending on how much sun it's going to get. But mm -hmm. you'll get blooms all summer. They'll fill up nice. Um, and, the, and they're very hardy. But at this time of year, when you prune them, you just leave all the – I leave them totally alone. And then early spring, sort of be, about mid-May, you'll start seeing the green growth come up. They're very okay. discouraging at this time of year because they look like a bunch of dead sticks. So I'm, like I said, okay. right now I'm looking out, out, out the window. At, I have a whole bunch of limelights, and they just look like dead sticks. So it's it's a bit discouraging. But then okay. all of a sudden you'll start seeing little little green stems come out. And then okay. I just prune them just above that, like where you see your top one, and then I even them at that time. So you can do that with your hedge, and then all your blooming comes off of the new growth. Okay. So now we have a, a small, it's like a horseshoe flower bed. I don't want to necessarily want to have them as a full hedge, but maybe, yeah. you know, every three or four feet apart, and, and maybe only no higher than three feet. So can they be trimmed down a little bit, or is a quick fire yeah, just but, grow to three feet? Yeah, they, they typically are not going to get much bigger than that anyways here in Calgary. Like they say they can go to four to five feet. Um, I find that they stay in that three feet, maybe a little bit taller if they're if they're an ideal. There is one called a little quick fire that stays shorter. It's in sort of the two to three feet. But again, I find it stays in the 18 to two feet range. Like it – so – I always take, like in Calgary, sort of when they're saying four to five, I always take about 25% off. Unless you have the perfect ideal location for it, they're, okay. they're not going to get that big. And now this so, is a new flower bed, so how can I amend the soil? What will they require? Um, I, I just like using like a good sea soil. And if you've started with a good screen loam, a good garden mix, um, mix, mix in some cocoa moss into there. 
and and really that's all you need or if you if you have the a big yellow bag or or we sell a garden mix out of our bulk bins and really that's all you need the hydrangeas are really nice and hardy too like they they'll do well but ensure that you do that slow deep watering the first year and and year, every year after but really important the first year when you plant them because they're in a deeper pot so you got to make sure you're getting the water down nice and deep and then they'll they'll perform really really nice fruit for you Okay, super. I've made my notes, right. so when I get them, we'll get her done. Awesome. Yeah, and I would, if you see them, like I know we, we have quite a few coming, but the hydrangeas and some of the specialty shrubs, there is a bit of a shortage this year. So if you see the ones you like, um, make sure you grab them at that time. I wouldn't I wouldn't prolong it and say, oh, I'll come back next week sometimes because um, we're seeing a bit of a demand on some of those type of shrubs. So. Okay, and they're, they come right. in with the trees and shrubs, and when are yours slated to come in? Uh, we are getting ours. I'm getting my first shipment in May 6th, um, but then a full shipment the following week. It's still a bit early. I'm, I watch the evening temperatures, and so, I'll, I'm, like I said, I'm getting a smaller shipment, one truck in the in the May 5th week, and then the following week I'm going to fill it right up. So when would they be best to go into the ground? I would wait until the second or third week in May for sure. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, and fertilize. They love the fifteen thirty fifteen and and good slow deep watering, and they'll perform great for you. Super. Thanks very much, Merle. Awesome. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, and I don't think I got to my last call, but that's the end of the show. Thank you guys so much. It was great. Stay safe out there, and we'll get our garden on right here next week on seven seventy CHQR. Thanks, Charlie.